Corinthians 1, 1 through 6. Amen. Everybody say, he's worthy. You can't sing that song unless you think that. You can't put your life on something that's not worth it. And many of you don't believe Jesus is worth it. But many of you do. And for those that do believe Jesus is worth it, this message is actually for you. So right here, we're going to be talking about a new family, God's family. All right, everybody say, God's family. So this is a new family, much different than your own. This family has little to do with what your parents did on their honeymoon to conceive you. This had little to do with any decision made by a husband or wife. This had to do with the will of God. And like, you know, last week we kind of alluded to this. Uh, we talked about how the father, right, a father like father like son, how the son is exactly like the father. And what he says and what he does and what he wants, he is like the father. And now since we're like the son, right, we should be children of God. We should look just like the son. That's what we learned last week, and that's alluding to the new family because what does a, children, what does a child, a son, a father remind you of? It reminds you of a family. So today we're going to be talking about the family of God. And here's the thing, right? We have different ideas when we hear about when we hear the name family or the word family some of us we think of family matters anybody know that show that's way back way back if you know that show just keep your hands to yourself so no one knows your age now <laughs> joking right or or you know some of us we got our favorite type of family like you know some girls in here if well some girls in here if maybe you're 10 years older or 8 years older you would think about the kardashians as the best family Right? Keeping up with the Kardashians. Back in the day, that was the family. That was the family, right? You know? Some of us may think of our own family, and we, we may think of family and have, like, these ideas. Like, a family yells a lot. That's what a family does. In order to get your point out, whoever yells the loudest wins the argument. And whoever slams the door is going to bed hungry. <laughs> right? You know, or... Some of us, when we think of family, we think of maybe hurt, maybe pain. Maybe we think of brokenness. Maybe we think of fun times watching TV. We have our ideas of family, and a lot of them have to do with issues, and a lot of them have to do with, you know, kind of shallow things. Here's the thing. Family with God is a whole lot different. Family with God is, is it's thicker than blood. It's thicker than blood. It goes deeper than blood. You see, if we go to Ephesians 1, uh, 1 through 6, Paul, he gives an allusion to the family and how we are family, basically, with God. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, Ephesus was the church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he, say chose on the count of three. For he, one, two, three. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in sight. In greed. No. In selfishness. No. What is that word said? It's a four-letter word. It starts with L. On the count of three, what does that word say? One, two, three. 
love, right? In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to the one he loves. Everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. Heavenly Father, I pray and I ask you, God, that you would speak to every heart here. Lord, that you would touch every heart in this building. Lord, I pray that no one here would, under, uh, no one here would be misunderstood in the way they look at the gospel, that they would no longer see it as simply religion or simply just following rules, but they would see the family, they would see the heart of God, that they would be included now into this family, into the kingdom of God, that they would be changed forever to look like Jesus. Have your will, have your way in this place, God. Let your will be done in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So for he chose us, okay? Get this, the Father chooses us. I, I want to let you guys know, a lot of your parents did not choose you. Because if they had a choice, you would not be that choice. <laughs> I'm joking. I could not. Okay, okay, just never mind that joke. Let me just rewind that. It was just a little joke. But it's true sometimes. I'm just saying, okay, here's the whole thing. Sometimes your parents, they may compare you to other kids and compare you to your brothers, compare you to your sisters. And they may even say, man, I wish you were like this. Why can't you be like this? And you think in your mind, man, like they would have chose someone different. But here's the thing. The Father chose us out of love. The Father chose us out of love. Ephesians 1 verse 4 and 5, it says this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world. That means before you got your life together, before you were able to fix yourself up, before you decided to join this religion or whatever, before you decided to obey your parents, before any of you had a mind, before any of you even thought of, God chose you. God chose you. That's love. Because how many of us know that before we choose to make friends with someone or, let's say, uh, be with someone, we ever have a choice to be with someone in a friendship or any way, we, think at, we look at their life, okay? You probably go to their house, you see how messy their bed is, and we're like, dang, I don't, I don't know. Then you go to the car, and you see, like, maybe, like, uh, like, like, fried chicken in the back. You see, you know, just empty food. You see... Taco, you see uh, like taco pieces ripped off with limon everywhere. You're like, dang, I really don't want to be with this person. This person's messy. Or maybe you look at their background, okay? They grew up in this side of the town or they're, they're this type of person. But God, he knows everything. He's, he's all knowing and he still chose us. How many of you know that's pretty radical because you guys know yourselves and you know without a doubt that if, every, if someone knew everything about you, they definitely would not choose you. That's the truth. Think about all the things we've thought. Think about all the things we've said. Think about all the things we've done. Yet God, knowing all of that, being perfect, okay? Everybody talks about, man, you know, you got to have a standard. He straight went way below his standard in choosing us. So God chooses us for adoption, all right? He chooses us before the creation of the world, and he does it out of love. Okay, think about it. The, the Bible says without the Heavenly Father, we are pretty much all orphans. All orphans. We are all fatherless. We all are without God. So God comes to us, and he sees the worst of people. 
The Bible says that a righteous person cannot be saved, only a sinner. Jesus only came for the righteous, and he only came for the sinner, not the righteous. So he sees the worst kids. I'm talking about the ones that they can't sit still. I'm talking about the ones that they can't shut up. I'm talking about the ones that, you know, draw weird things on the wall all the time, that talk back to their parents. I'm talking about the ones that steal uh, those, those cool uh, rulers that I used to have when I was little. I used to bend them all the time. You know, you know those rulers? Uh, If you ain't a 90s baby, you don't get it. Sorry. So he chose those those people. He chose those kids. He chose the worst of the worst. Okay? He chose you. You don't think you're the worst of the worst, then I want you to take a quick look at Jesus, see how perfect he was, then take a look back at yourself. You are the worst of the worst. We are. And God chose us. If we go to Psalm 68, verse 5, why is this? Why does the Father have this need to do this? Well, this is who he is. This is who he is. He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God in his holy dwelling. This is just who God is. This is who he is. He is a father to the fatherless. He sees the brokenhearted. He sees the orphan, and he says, that is going to be my son. That is going to be my child. That is going to be a new member of our family. That is what he does. And what does it mean to be, have adoption to sonship? If we go back to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1 verse 4, what does that mean? It sounds pretty cool. It rhymes, right? Kind of sounds nice. Adoption to sonship. This means that what God has to give his children, you're inheriting, you're inheriting that. That means all the fruits of the Spirit that I was talking about about the joy, the love, the kindness, the peace, the patience, the last sermon series we had, like all that is given to his children. That means everything that is given to a child of God, right? Think about this. Anybody want to be a, a child of a really rich dude? Like, a, let's say the richest guy in the world. Would you want to be a child of him? The richest guy in the world. Let's say he's a nice guy, okay? Let's say he's a nice guy. Just because someone's rich don't mean they're mean, by the way. There's a lot of mean, poor people. I had a homeless dude spit in my, in my face one time. While he had headphones on. I don't, I don't understand. But just because you're rich doesn't mean you're mean. So let's say a rich guy comes to you. You're an orphan. He's like, listen, I got a billion dollars. I want you to become my child, right? How many, how many of you in a second would be like, dude, sign the papers, yo? <laughs> What's good? Sign me up. What's up, dad? You know, think about this. You are saying, this is my father. You have pride in that. This is awesome. He's going to have a lot to give you. He's going to have a lot to give you when you grow up. He's going to give you an inheritance. You're going to have a car that's better than a Tesla. You're going to have a house that's bigger than a mansion. You're going to have a dog that's like a hybrid of, you know, a lion and a cheetah, but still a dog at the same time. He's rich. So this is God now. God, the creator of the universe, is saying, you're going to be my child. You're going to inherit all that I have for you. This is what God's saying. This is, this is God. He's a father to the fatherless. Think, think about Donald Trump, right, coming to some kid with rags, right? Let's say everybody hear about what's happening with immigration, right? What if he went to one of those kids that were separated from their parents, walks in, right, and he says, I want to adopt you now. Your parents passed away. They died. They tried to cross, and they got shot by Border Patrol. That's real stuff. And he takes them, and he adopts them. That, that, he had rags. He had nothing but rags, nothing but dirt, rags, and didn't even have barely a name anymore. 
because his family's gone. And God comes and, he, and he, he makes him a child. Now, of course, you know, Donald Trump is not God, and he is not even close to that. But you get, you get, the, you get the analogy. God, so much greater, so much more wonderful. But yet he sees the worst, the broken, the, the, the lost, the fatherless, okay? Think about it. At that time, there's, no, like, there's a lot of homeless children in the city of Chicago, and many of you don't know that. It's very low-key. But think about this at a time where, you know, kids couldn't just go to work. If they didn't have a family, they had nothing. If they didn't have a family with, with you know, animals to, to herd people, if they didn't have land, if they didn't have, they didn't have nothing then. But yet God is a father to them who have nothing. So I'd rather, just kind of branching off topic, I'd rather be an orphan, right, with nothing and find God than claim to be someone with somebody and have no God. That's the truth. Think about that. You guys need to understand that you ha- don't have the Heavenly Father. You have nothing. And how do you, receive, how do you ha- now get the Father? How is the Father saying, okay, like I'm going to go to the murderer and I'm going to adopt him? Right? Like what? Like God cares about the murderer. He cares about those who kill. Like, yes, he cares about the worst of the worst. He cares about those who lie, those who steal. So he does he just adopt liars and all that? Well, here's the thing. This is all done through the Son. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 now. It says right here, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. So he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Right? So this is done through Jesus Christ. Why does it have to be done through Jesus Christ? Why? Well, probably because he's the son. He's the son. He's the son that paid for the punishment of the orphans. Right? He, well, all the orphans, all the people without God as their father were messing around, sinning. They decided to kill the son. While killing the son, the son now dying, resurrecting, gave way for the orphans to have a father. This is the beauty of what Jesus did. So it's done through that. But Jesus is not only a friend. Now, like a lot of people say, well, Jesus is my homie. I had one dude call me from, I don't know, like an, an insurance company. And we we're talking about Jesus. And I don't even know how it happened. But he's like, yeah, man, dude, Jesus is my homie. And I thought that was funny. You know, I don't really hear many people say Jesus is my homie, especially right after, right before that he just cussed like twice. So I was like, oh, really? Okay. And uh, so besides that, he says Jesus is my homie. But here's the thing. You guys might not understand this, but Jesus is more than just your friend. He's more than just your God. The Bible says he is a brother. He is a brother to us. If we go to Hebrews 2.11, and he's not ashamed to call us that. It says, in Hebrews 2, verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. That means when the Father welcomes you into the family, you don't have to deal with shame or guilt anymore because Jesus is not ashamed of you. See, Jesus isn't ashamed to call you his brother, Jeremiah. Matter of fact, he loves you, and he loves it. He thinks that's an honor. Jesus loves it. So Here's the whole thing. Your family may be ashamed of you at times. You may have a brother and a sister that the minute you walk next to them, they want you to leave the room. They want you to get out. Like, dude, what are you even doing next to me? Some of you may be that brother and sister. I might have just put you on blast. You may be that sister that hates your little brother with a passion, even though you love him at the same time. It's a love-hate relationship. And you might say every time you see him, you're so annoying, get out, right? And you may just throw the remote at him, right? 
Or for some of you that are really crazy, you might throw the whole TV, okay? Or you may be that brother that has a sister or another little brother, and you just feel like he's lame, he's not cool, he likes different things, I'm going to stick away with him, right? Not saying every brother and sister is like that, but I'm saying Jesus is not like that. Jesus is not, he's not ashamed of you. That means when you walk through your city, when you walk through your school, when you walk through the halls, when you walk down your neighborhood, you are not ashamed of by Jesus. Jesus is proud to call you a brother. Now, here's the thing, right? Again, this is all because of the Father's love. There's three times, uh, there's, there's, there's about two times where it says, uh, in love, right? There's two times. And then it says, and verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, you don't need to go there, which he has freely given us to the one he loves. Listen, it's all about love. All of this revolves around love because besides family, right, besides biological stuff, right, like, you know, DNA and, and you know, the, the, the Punnett Square thing that that guy made that one time where it's like, you know, you got this type of gene and you got this type of gene and together makes two genes. Yeah, besides all that, what... What defines a family? What makes family, family? What makes family, family? Okay, besides the mom and the dad, right? I said besides the biological stuff. That's why I did the whole Punnett Square thing, you know. Yeah, okay. So besides that, right, what makes a family a family? I mean, y'all, wait, what you say, TJ? Love. There you go. You said that? I, you did. I heard you say, oh. Okay. Good job, Adiana. I'll clap for you right here. Okay. So, love, right? Love. Love is what defines a family. You can't have family without love. Then you have a mother who aborts a baby. Then you got a, a, a mother of one, right, or two, that says, I can't take it anymore. Let me just kill my baby. Anybody ever heard of uh, Brenda's Got a Baby by Tupac? Starts off, it starts off with this girl. She throws her baby in the, in the garbage, you know? Like, that's crazy. But that's what people do without love. That's what people do without love. We spent a whole month in February figuring out what love is. What love is. And this is the whole thing. What love is, that's what defines a family. You can't have Love, you have family without love. And the thing is, God is love, and he, he makes his family around this thing called love. So now, as the family of God, how should we live? As a family, then, how should we live? As a family, a new family, how should we live? Should we carry now the bad habits from our other family? So when TJ, you know, when TJ, when he walks, like, past me, and I'm like, man, dude, I'm tired of this guy always walking so loud. TJ, man, stop walking so loud, bro. Goodness, man. All I hear is you thumping around everywhere. Like, am I just going to say that and cuss him out? No. When I see Jeremiah and he, he has all this, these cool clothes, and I'm going to be like, dang, bro, you always buy new clothes, man. Buy me something, bro. You're so selfish, man. Like, like am I going to be like that? Or when I see Humberto and he, he corrects one of us younger dudes, and I'm like, dang, man, forget you, Humberto, and I just walk off and storm the bathroom door. Like, am I going to do that? No, dude, you don't take these bad habits from your broken family and now take them to the family of God because they will be changed. You see, God wants his family holy and blameless. Holy and blameless, okay? So if we go to Ephesians, 
Uh, actually, go to Romans 12, 9 through 13. Think about holy and blameless. This is, I'm going to read to you guys this, but I, I encourage you guys, read all of Romans 12. Romans 12 will bless your life. It will change the way you think, period, right? So love must be, love must be, love must be, love must be fake, love must be fake, and when you see someone, make sure you shake up, but after you leave, make sure you talk about them behind their back. Love must be cautious because you might love the wrong person. Love must be to yourself because you got to love yourself first, right? No, love must be sincere. It must be real. It must be genuine. It cannot be fake. Right? It cannot be fake. It cannot be false. It can't be a half type of love where you love someone but only a certain amount. Love cannot have a limit due to that person. Love must be sincere. You must hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself. Honor one above honor one one another above yourself. I I had a conversation with a young man in my in my uh, my class uh, that I teach fifth grade. I'm a teacher assistant at a after school program, and and this kid right, he was roasting another kid. The other kid roasting him back, but the, he didn't even really care that much. And this kid went at his mama, went at his sister, but then once he went at what he was wearing, the kid went crazy. Kim went crazy. So I pulled him aside. I'm talking to him. I'm like, Kevin, man, what is going on, bro? Like, you are cussing. You're wilding out. What is the issue? He's like, man, Mr. Joseph, this dude talked about me. You can talk about my mama. You can talk about my sister. But you can't talk about me because I'm better than him. And I was like, I'm like, dang, like all up in there. Like, just I am better than this guy. I got more money than him. I got more friends than him. I got better shoes than him. I'm like, I'm like, bro, does that even matter? It does. I'm like, why? Because it matters to me. And I'm like, all right. And I try to calm him down. I try to tell him, you know, like Jesus, you know, he, he had the Nazareth 11s. You know, you would have better shoes than Jesus. It's not about the shoes, right? I told him, you know what? Like, you should care about your mom being like put in the dirt like that. And so I had a conversation with him. But he was still stuck on that. He wanted to honor himself more than anyone else. So this is, this is completely wrong. This is not how you show love. Matter of fact, if we continue, it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep in your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. When you have a family, you got to serve together. Serve the Lord together. Love, it will, it will go to zeal. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Then this, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I mean, practice, practice being kind to people and giving them things. Practice inviting them over and ha sharing what you have. That's what it means to practice hospitality. It's not just you just, you're walking around and you see some dude without a dollar. And you're like, hey, man, well, here's a dollar. <laughs> Did my good thing. No, you take that man and you're like, dude, I know you need a dollar. Let me buy you something. Let me take you out. Let me encourage you. Let me pray for you. See, it goes the next step. It's real. It's genuine. Love is not, this love that's sincere is not concerned about itself. And that's the only love that can have a family. See, if, a, if the love of a family is only concerned about the individual that is showing that love, that family will fall apart. Let's say your dad is working a job, and then all of a sudden, guess what he does? He gets tired. 
He's tired of working this job. He's tired of doing it. He's like, you know what? These kids don't even respect me. That's it. I'm quitting, and I'm dipping. I saw this video. I don't know if I shared this story already, but there was a girl. She had four siblings with a single mother. She was doing track. The mother dipped. Might have shared this story. She dipped. She couldn't take it no more. Now the siblings had to fend for themselves. That is what love is when it's only about the person. I'm just going to love my brother so that he can help me out later. I'm just going to love my sister so when I'm in trouble, she'll be there for me. That's not how it works in the family of God. That's not how it works. You give everything you have to your brother and your sister. You, you give, then you ask later. You give, then you find out what it was needed for. That's what happens in the family of God. The family of God is not concerned with wealth. It's not concerned of your well-being. It's concerned about the other person. Why? Because you honor them above yourself. This is the DNA of the family of God. This is what's within the family of God. Without this love, right, without the love that the father had when he saw you a sinner and sent his son, the perfect righteous one, to die for you, without that love, there is no family. There is no family. Without that love, you are lost. And what does this family do now in the world? We be religious. And some of you don't understand what I mean by that. Yeah, I'm being religious. I'm going to church right now. No, no, like this, this is not religious. This is what the world calls religion. This is what the Bible calls religion. If we put up James 1.27, you see, as children of God, we replicate the Father. We, we are just like the Father in this world. The religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless, that means it's without a blemish. That means it, there's nothing wrong about it, is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, just like the Father, Right? Orphans and widows. You see, as children of God, we look to the Father and we want to be exactly like Him. We don't look to this dude over here, man, called Blueface, right, and say, I want to be just like you, Blueface. Yeah, I look to Polo G and I'm like, bro, Polo G, I want to be just like you. Oh, I look to, you know, uh, what uh, J- James Charles, whatever you girls look at, look at. I want to have makeup just like you, James Charles. No, we look to the Father who cares for the fatherless and the widow and He adopts them. He takes them man, we want to be just like you, Father. That's what children do. That's what children of God do. But I am concerned that many of you, you look to the Father and you say, that's lame. You look to this and you say, not for me. You look to the Father, you look at what he cares about, and you say, now I'm more concerned with my school, I'm more concerned with my clubs, I'm more concerned with everything but this. And you think you're a religious person. You think, you're, you think you have a relationship with God? I'm telling you right now, if this is not your heart, if this is not what you care about, seeing other orphans, right, that were just like you without the Father, without the Heavenly Father, if you, you see other people without a family and you just don't care, you're apathetic, you only care about yourself, you are not a part of the family of God. Because the family of God is what concerned with love, and love is not concerned with itself. You see, love does not care about, man, dude, if I, if I try to help out an orphan, right, who's going to help me out? If I try to help this person, who's going to help me? That's, that's not what the love of God does in a family. So if I can have Lawrence up and the altar workers, listen, God's family is holy and blameless. God's family is holy and blameless. Blameless means without guilt, 
So that doesn't mean, yeah, I do whatever. I'm not guilty about it. No, because it's holy. Because it's holy. That means it's set apart. That means God's family is not doing whatever it wants to do, but it's doing the will of God. That's how you're blameless. That's how you're without guilt. If you sin and don't care about your sin, guess what? You're part of the wrong family. You're not a part of this family. But it's real simple. The only way to get to this family is to believe in Jesus Christ. He is the son. He's the son of God that came for us orphans. He is the son of God who became like the son of man to make other sons of men like the son of God. That's what a theologian said one time. He is the son of God, the perfect one that came for you who are imperfect to make you perfect. That is the family of God is perfect, yes. And if we sin, guess what? We, we don't run to a God who just judges us. We don't run to a God who doesn't care for us. We run to our father who forgives us. And that's how you know you're a child of God. It's because, listen, when you sin, you don't just keep on in your sin. When you rebel against God, you understand you're in rebellion. You turn. But when you're a child of the devil, a part of that family, you just do what your father does. Lie, sin. So that's the difference right now, guys. The father chose us out of love. The choosing was done only through the son. And now we choose to love one another. We seek it out. We want to love one another. Sean, you want to love Jorge. Libni, you want to love Malia. Malia, you want to love Seth. Brianna, you want to love Deanna. You guys want to love one another, not because of your school, not because of your, ho- your hobbies, not because they got, they're Latino, you're Latino, not because they're black, you're black. It has nothing to do with that. You want to love others because you look at the Son, Jesus Christ, and the way he loved you. That's it. That's how we're able to love. So if you guys could all stand up, please. The message is really simple. For those that have not been living in love, right, whether it be loving God, which is being holy and blameless, or loving people, you're not being sincere, this altar calls for you. Come up. You need to understand this. If your love is not sincere, if you don't honor others above yourself, If you don't really, aren't devoted to another person out of love, then I'm telling you right now, you're probably not a part of the family of God. You got a different DNA. If they looked you up, if if your grandkids looked you up on the Ancestry.com, the spiritual Ancestry.com, they would see you're a child of the devil. They would see you did not belong to God. You did not belong to anything of God. You were completely excluded out this family, this family. But for those who know they're outside the family of God and want to be a part of his family, this is done, as again, only through faith in the Son. Why? Because the Son purchased our adoption. Okay? He befriended us. As sinners, he came to us. He sought after us. And he said, listen, you can be my brother. You can be a part of this family. That's beautiful. There's nothing more beautiful than the undeserving sinner, right? The undeserving orphan being approached by the child of the richest man on earth, right? Saying, I want you to be my brother. And the father loved them both and he took them in. That's the gospel. The gospel is not, listen, the word Christian is mentioned only twice. Disciple is mentioned over 200 times. But you know what's mentioned more than Christian? Child. 
child of God. And this is what we are. We are adopted. And if you're not adopted, if you're still an orphan, listen, dude, listen, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. If you're still living in sin, claiming to be a child of God, the Father don't know you. The Father don't know you. You need to repent. Put your faith in Jesus. God will have mercy. If you feel like you can't change, if you look at the Father and his, and, and what he believe what he says true religion is and you look at that and you say that's too hard listen god will change you the father will make you new he will take you out of your sin take you out of your habits and he will put you in the family of god so with all heads bowed and all eyes closed heavenly father we we just come to you lord and we give thanks we thank you for your glorious grace god your glorious grace, this undeserving kindness that you, the Father of creation, the one who created everything that we see in our eyes, everything that we touch with our hands, you, God, you decided to love us. And in this love, Lord, you decided to adopt us. I pray right now, God, and I ask you that you would, you would just burn on the heart's conviction of every person here that is not part of the family of God. That they would see this love, this love, that there is nothing greater than this love. They would see this love and they would be drawn to it. God, I pray that you would captivate our hearts in this place. That you would point us to your son, the perfect symbol of love. The perfect symbol of sincere love. And that we would believe in him. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have your way. That you would begin to nudge every person in their seats. That you would begin to pull and direct every person to the cross. That you would reel them in into the arms of the Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way. Lord, whatever is distracting any person in here, whatever obstacle, whatever pain, whatever hindrance, I pray that it will be removed in Jesus' name. I rebuke every stumbling block, every hindrance, every snare, that the Holy Spirit would sanctify every person in this room. Jesus, have your way, Lord. Listen, God, is, uh, God is, is really speaking to us tonight. And if you are ignoring him, if you are rejecting the Father, listen, I want, I want to let you know your heart is in trouble. The Bible says if we turn against him, if we ignore him, if we have a stiff neck, if we're stubborn and we ignore the Father's discipline, our hearts will grow hard. Now is the time of salvation. Stop playing games. Repent. Know God. Believe in Christ. There's nothing for you in the world. There's nothing for you outside of Jesus. Stop playing games. You cannot, I want to let you guys know, just out of my heart, you cannot say you believe in Jesus and yet live a life of sin. You are living a lie right now. Repent. Repent. Turn to Jesus. Receive the forgiveness that God wants to give you. Receive it. Kirsten is here. Uh, Humberto is here to pray for you guys. Really pray on this. Reflect on it. Today is the day of salvation.